Welcome to worship at Bohelvi. It's nice to see you all here this morning. Nice to see a few returning uh, faces after some time away. It's great to see you with us again, uh, Rhoda and, and uh, Mary. Um, just a wee reminder, folks, uh, particularly for those who uh, haven't been for a while, um, or maybe haven't been since the pandemic started, there's a wee ticket in front of you. Just turn that over, and that lets the cleaners know where they need to clean. Uh, we leave by the vestry door, uh, the collection plate, should be behind me, and it's not. So I don't know if there's a beetle today, if they could maybe in the hymn, maybe nip out and get the collection plate, that would be helpful. Um, and thank you for complying with uh, the social distancing and with the masks. Uh, David was asking me when we can do away with the masks. The answer is we're not sure. Uh, we'll have to follow the guidance of the Scottish Government and uh, the Church of Scotland. So for now, we're still masked up, but we can at least sing. So uh, feel free to belt it out uh, behind your mask. Uh, as you feel so led. Um, I don't have any announcements other than just to remind my elders that there should be a little card like this in your ducats out in uh, the front vestibule. And if you haven't picked it up already, please do do so. This relates to the email that I sent to you after the Kirk session meeting. So please remember to pick that up today as you leave. We're going to begin our worship this morning in the words of hymn number 565, How Can I Keep From Singing? Let's worship God together.
Let's join our hearts together in prayer now. Let us pray. My life flows on in endless song above earth's lamentation. I catch the sweet though far off hymn that heals a new creation. That's why we're here, Lord, as our lives roll on and we make our way on this journey that we call life. We have caught the sound of another song on the breeze and we like what we've heard. That far off hymn stirs something within us, something that's hard to name but is real all the same. It's a kind of longing. It's like the way you long for blue skies and warm sunshine after days and days of grey cloud and har. It's like the way you long for food when you come home hungry and smell the dinner bubbling in the oven. It's like the longing you have when you miss someone and you're counting the days until you see each other again. Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. So Spirit of God, we ask that you would meet us here this morning as we worship Bring us rest and wholeness when life is good, when relationships are going well, when work is satisfying, and we even get a little time to dabble in the things that we love to do. And bring us rest when storms threaten to shake our inmost calm, when people we trusted let us down, when the challenges that we face seem insurmountable, when we doubt our ability to live as Christian people because we feel so far from what we should be. Lord, we bless you for that far off hymn and all that it evokes within us, the faith that there is more to life than we've yet known and the hope of godly change progress and yet we know too that we can so easily avoid that tune it doesn't take much to kid ourselves that it isn't really there or to drown it out in the sheer noise of our living only we know how we're doing it paying attention to you living God whether the tune we hum is an echo of yours or one of our own making. So hear us as in a moment of silence. We pause and open our hearts and minds to you, confessing our sin and asking for the cleansing and renewal of your Holy Spirit.
we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, says John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The promise of God for the people of God. So now may the peace of Christ make fresh your heart. And may the strains of God's song grow ever clearer as you live and move in him. So Lord, hear these and all our prayers which we offer in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Saviour, in whose name we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from John's Gospel, John chapter 5, and reading verses 1 through to 15. And Marion Reed is going to read for us. The Healing at the Pool. Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Amen. Thank you, Marion. Our next hymn is uh, hymn number 31, I Waited Patiently for God, and we'll remain seated as we sing this one.
Let's pray. So many reasons why we're here this morning, Lord. Uh, habit, hope, uh, routine, expectation, comfort, solace. Yet this morning we ask, through the grace of your Spirit, that you would dig down beneath all those things to the well of our human living and to that place within our lives where we know our need of you, even if at times we live in denial of it or we try to suppress it. We know ourselves to be incomplete and in our better moments we know that you are the one who completes us. So we pray that you draw near through your spirit today and meet us in that place and make us more like the person, the people that you want us to be. So hear our prayers, because we ask them in Christ's name. Amen. We find Jesus this morning walking around between and over a group of people who have pinned their hopes on the strange goings-on at the pool of Bethesda. What he's picking his way through is an open-plan doctor's waiting room with absolutely no social distancing. Scores of sick folk are waiting there under five colonnades with their friends there in tow to support them. And all the focus is on this central pool where every now and again, completely unpredictably, some kind of healing is said to take place. Now, whether this was a natural phenomenon given divine significance or a genuine miracle of some sort is hard to be sure. But judging by the number of folks sprawled around the courtyard, we can be pretty sure that whatever it was, it didn't happen very often. But on those rare occasions, when the first micro-bubbles started to turn the water cloudy and the surface began to splutter and to foam, those who'd been paying attention or were lucky enough to be looking the right way at the right time launched themselves towards the pool to try and be the first one in. Try and imagine the chaos of that for a moment. The desperation of it. Because the thing was, at the pool of Bethesda, it was only the first one in who got what they needed. The rest of the hopefuls would have to retreat disconsolately back to the shade of the porches until the next time the waters were troubled, whenever that would be. But there was one person there who didn't even have the comfort of being a nearly man. He never even got close to winning the poolside lottery. John says a man was there who'd been ill for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that the man had been ill for such a long time. So he asked him, do you want to get well? And I've always been intrigued by that question. In the context of this story, but also in the context 
of our own lives. Do you want to get well? On the face of it, that is a crazy question to ask. It's almost insulting, in fact. For the best part of his life, this man had watched frustrated as others had gone down into the pool before him. And in that time, different people would have come and gone from the community of the broken who had gathered around that pool. Loyalties and enmities would have been formed. The little dramas of everyday life would have been played out day after day after day. And the stakes were high in that community because they were all chasing the same prize. But there could only ever be one winner each time. It would have been like living in a soap opera that you couldn't escape from. And for this man, it had lasted 38 years. It was all that he had known. And maybe that's behind Jesus' question. Do you want to get well? Could he even imagine any other kind of life after all of that time? I wonder if you noticed that when Jesus asks him a straight question, he doesn't get a straight answer. Do you want to get well invites a yes or a no in response, but instead the man drops into a well-worn groove about how hard it is for him, how difficult it is to get into the water, how he doesn't have anyone to help him. It's almost like he isn't able to hear Jesus' question because his limitations have become his life. It's the only story he knows how to live out of. And maybe, just maybe, that's the part of him that needed healed even more than his legs. The part of his mind that had become hopeless and stuck. Do you want to get well? says Jesus. I wonder how you hear those words this morning. I guess that they might be painful for some of you. Of course, you want to access healing. There's nothing more pressing in your life just now. And what gets you is that it all seems so easy in these Bible stories. If it's that simple, why doesn't God help you or that person you love to get better? Well, I've spoken about this before, and I don't want to go over that same ground in the same way today, but it's worth remembering that these healing stories that we have in the Bible were never meant to be the norm. What we're seeing in Jesus' healing ministry is what happened in a particular time and place in history when God entered our world in a particular way. It's exceptional. And that's why in John's gospel, Jesus' miracles are always called signs. And as I said last week, a sign signifies something. These signs signify that Jesus has come from the Father and speaks and acts with the authority of the Father. So if I come and claim to be the Messiah, why should you believe me? But if I come and heal someone that you know has been paralyzed for 38 years and say I'm the Messiah, then maybe it's a, a good safe bet that I will have your attention because of what I've done. 
When we read stories like these, it helps to remember that Jesus' miracles are a bit like the future, the, res the restoration of all things breaking into the here and now in a foretaste of that kingdom, a foretaste of what things will be like when sin and sickness and death are finally defeated as they will be when the kingdom finally comes. But for now, those battles are still being fought. And we need to pray and hope and seek treatment and take courage from our friends when we or our loved ones find ourselves facing illness or disease. But setting aside the question, the very real question of sickness and infirmity for a moment, there's another way that we can hear Jesus' question. And I think it's important that we hear it today because the wellness that he invites the man into, the wellness he invites him to receive is more than physical healing. A lot more. The wellness that Jesus offers touches his mind, his emotions and his spirit too. And maybe that's the level at which Jesus addresses us this morning. Do you want to get well, he asks. Do you want to get well? And those, I believe, can be life-giving words if we hear them correctly, because I'm pretty sure that at times all of us feel a bit like the man in the story, living a curtailed life that's not what we hoped it might be. All of us have our own internal Bethesdas, Places where the air is thick with the ghosts of what might have been. Where the shadows of disappointment hang over our souls. Where our weaknesses, our habits, our regrets or our fears can come to define us if we allow them to. And if we spend too long beside that pool, the story of why we're there will become the only story that we're capable of telling. And we all know folk like that. Folk who seem to be permanently camped in Bethesda. Somehow the conversation always comes round to how it is that they're not well. Or that thing that went wrong in their lives. Those people who let them down. Or the cruel hand that fate dealt to them. Or the poor choices that they made. Or worse still, the choices that were made for them. That have set them on this sad trajectory. And in different ways, I guess we all have stories like that to tell. The question is, are we going to let them define us? Because they will, if we choose to give them that power in our lives. But the good news this morning, and it is good news, is that it doesn't have to be that way. This morning, Christ stands over us in those shadowy places in our Bethesdas. And he says, do you want to get well? Do you want to? And we might well respond, Lord, it's been so long, I'm not even sure what well looks like anymore.
And I found myself thinking a lot about that recently. What does well look like? And I remembered an image in the Psalms of a tree growing by a river with its roots pushing deep down into the good soil and fruit swelling on its branches, getting everything that it needs, all the nutrients that it needs for living. And it grows strong. And it bends in the winds, because the winds come, but it bends. It doesn't break. The psalmist says that's a good image of what the man or woman who stays close to God becomes, fruitful, stable, strong. I realized that wellness is about being integrated, about being at home with yourself and acting from a still center that's focused on God rather than just reacting haphazardly to whatever comes your way in life. I saw that wellness is about being connected to other people. Part of the paralyzed man's condition was his loneliness. He had no one to help him into the water, no connections. And as God was at pains to point out in the Genesis story, it is not good for human beings to be alone. And that's something we have to take cognizance of, particularly in the times we're living in. I met with some colleagues this week for the first time in 18 months face to face. And the commonality in our story was really two things, weariness and loneliness. We're all susceptible to it, and I think more so now than ever. And as I thought about wellness, I realized that being well means getting things into the right perspective, which is never easy. But that means not allowing yourself to be overwhelmed by the circumstances, and that, I think, is something that regular prayer can really help with, because it it lifts us into a different perspective, a divine perspective on life that can help to replace our own introverted, narrow, inwardly focused perspective that weighs us down. And wellness is marked by hopefulness. It prefers to ask what can be done now and in the future rather than dwelling on past glories or past failures. It doesn't give in to despair. And as I thought about the people I know who strike me as well, I realized how full of the fruit of the Spirit they were, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that are the hallmark of God's character. And as I held all of that together, I began to see clearly something that I already knew, which is that wellness is far more than just having your physical health. Just out of interest, I asked uh, some of my Facebook friends what being well means. And one of them, who has children with learning disabilities, a sister with cerebral palsy, and a mother who is almost blind, said this. She said, you can be well despite physical disability, if you're able to function and enjoy life. Wellness is a state of mind and soul and body. 
Some of the most unwell people I've known have been physically healthy. And some of the most disabled people I've known have still been well in their inner lives. That insight, I think, is borne out in a book called Tuesdays with Morrie, which is a true story uh, written by a guy called Mitch Album. Mitch and one of his professors, Maury Schwartz, had been close friends at college, and Maury had mentored him, but as Mitch's career progressed, his contact with Maury lessened, and although he was making it good in the eyes of the world, he knew that he was losing something too, something good within himself was being eaten away. It was being corroded by the pace and the pressures of his work. And he learned by chance that Maury had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and he made a point of going back to see him. And that was the beginning of Mitch's last class with Maury, a class that was to change his life because the subject under discussion was life as seen from the perspective of a man who was shortly going to die. They met up each Tuesday for three months until Maury passed away. And they worked their way through a list of topics including death, fear, marriage, family, forgiveness, and the meaning of life. And early on in the account of these meetings, Mitch writes, I was astonished by his complete lack of self-pity. Maury, who could no longer dance, swim, bathe, or walk. Maury, who could no longer answer his own door, dry himself after a shower, or even roll over in bed. How could he be so accepting? I watched him struggle with his fork, picking at a piece of tomato, missing it the first two times, a pathetic scene. And yet I couldn't deny that sitting in his presence was almost magically serene. The same calm breeze that soothed me back in my college days. And as the weeks progressed and death approached, one thing becomes very clear to the reader. It's Maury who's well, and it's Mitch whose life needs healing. Dying is one thing to be sad about, said Maury. Living unhappily is something else. Few folk in life have a human mentor like Maury, and I wish that more did, because we all need wise people to look up to and to help us on our way. But as Christians, we have our own inner mentor, the Spirit of Christ, who promises to be with us always. And his hand is reaching out to every single one of us this morning, wanting to draw us out of the colonnades of Bethesda, our places of unfulfillment, and into a new and a better way of living that's based on his fullness and not our lack. The harsh reality of life is that all of us in different ways 
are broken people. But the good news of the gospel is that our brokenness needn't be the thing that defines us. If we place our trust in Christ, if in our inner lives we get up and pick up our mats and walk, we shall become well. Amen. And thanks be to God for his word. I wanted to give you a wee bit of time to reflect on what we've just heard. So uh, in order to do that, we're just going to listen to a hymn now. It's a, a new version of an old hymn, and it's called It Is Well With My Soul. So just receive this as you want to. You may want to bow your heads, close your eyes. You may want to listen. You may want to look at the words. You may not. It's your choice. But just use this time to reflect on what you've heard and how you've been responding to it this morning. Sin not 
Questions, worry, stress, and busyness dampen our spirits. Let your way of calm and gentleness soothe us. Jesus, teach us how to cope when we feel stuck. When hospitals admit, test, operate, treat, and nurse. Let your way of wholeness flow through healing hands. Jesus, touch those struggling with ill health today and those who care for them. Where there is fear after theft, violence, argument or bullying, let your way of justice overcome. Jesus, make us stand up for what is right, true and good. When for a while our life together seems lacking in joy, let your way of companionship rekindle the flames of faith. <clears throat> Jesus, help us build real community in this place. When there are tears after death, separation or rejection, let your way of hope bring strength. Jesus comforts the brokenhearted at this time.
when the men of violence seem to hold all the power. Let your way of peace offer a different path. Jesus, hear our prayers for those who live in Afghanistan just now and all other places where fundamentalism holds sway. When we live in the shadow of weariness, tired of who we are but doubting we can ever change, Jesus, reach out your hand and heal us. Lord God, in the silence, we bring you all that we want to ask of you today. We listen too for all that you want to ask of us. Faithful God, hear these our prayers, spoken and unspoken, because we ask them all in Christ's name. Amen. We close our time together this morning in the words of hymn 719, The One Who Longs to Make Us Whole.
now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.